You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Brock. Welcome to this edition of Inside Healthcare, the podcast produced by NCQA. In this episode, we're going to give you a taste of Quality Talks, my discussion with one of our 2018 Quality Talk speakers, Liz Salmi, a cancer survivor, an activist for patients and patient transparency, and a good choice for Quality Talks for sharing the patient's perspective. Hi, Liz. How are you? Let's um, start with this. Who is Liz Salmi? I'm a person who played drums in high school and eventually joined a punk rock band and toured the country for a number of years during the time when most people are are attending college. And then what I did after that was I got into graphic design and my first work experiences in life were in doing graphic design, marketing, communication stuff that kind of evolved over time. So kind of in the world of creativity, I guess. And Mm -hmm. Eventually, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor when I, right before, right after, excuse me, my 29th birthday. And I, I approached my entire diagnosis, maybe from that point of view of just curiosity and creativity, not because uh, I intentionally sought out to approach things that way. It was just my normal response to things. Um, I've since learned it's a little unique um, in an approach. I I definitely wanted to know everything about my diagnosis, mainly because it was the only way I knew to um, be involved uh, with my own care. Um, And I just felt like, gosh, well, what can I do to get involved? And and that kind of turned into a fascination with the healthcare system, helping other people who are also curious along their own journey. Tell us what Open Notes is. Sure. So Open Notes is a research project gone wild uh, in a really fascinating way. And we would now say it's a movement that's encouraging doctors and other healthcare professionals to share the notes that they're writing with the patients that they're caring for. Um, So when we say notes, we're talking about clinical notes or doctor's notes. And, um, you know, after every visit, a doctor writes up a summary of what happened that visit, saves it, and it becomes part of a person's own permanent medical record. Most patients, though, don't know these notes are even being written. I didn't even know these notes were being written. I didn't know notes were a thing. Um, And it wasn't until I had to change health systems because of a change in my husband's medical insurance that I did a full medical records request and then got my hands on a 4,800-page PDF document that was my medical record for an eight-year period. And, you know, it was put on a DVD for me. So I opened it up and I realized, oh my gosh, there's this 4,800 page document. That's all about me. Uh, What is this? You know, and then I, you know, I saw some things that I had seen before, such as lab results, some of those back and forth email emails with my doctors. But then there were things like the notes that I stumbled across for the first time. And they were fascinating and cool. Um, there were certain words I didn't know or understand. But for the most part, because I was in a lot of those visits, I was able to figure it out based off of the context. Um, so for open notes, though, I got into open notes uh, because 
I stumbled across the notes, realized, wow, these are really cool. Mm -hmm. And in learning and educating myself more about what that was all about, I learned about the open notes movement. Open notes started um, as, as a demonstration research project in 2010. It was, uh, it was this research project was uh, conducted at three sites, Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston, Geisinger Hospital in Pennsylvania, and at Harborview mm -hmm. Medical Center in Seattle. So it's like a safety net hospital. It's part of the University of Washington system. And what happened is they got 105 primary care doctors to share their notes, those clinical notes through the patient portal for an entire year. And and it, uh, I think about like 13,000 patients were, could access their notes during that period of time. And before they started to open the notes, they surveyed those doctors as well as their colleagues who were not sharing notes and said, what do you think is going to happen? And the physicians, even those participating in the study said, well, we're scared of this. Uh, we're afraid that our patients are going to be afraid when they read their notes. They're not going to understand. They're going to read stuff that's going to be hard for them um, to take. And our workload is going to increase. When they read the notes, I'm going to get more emails and more phone calls. Um, this could be a disaster, but let's try it out. Research. Uh, on a patient side, they interviewed, they sent out surveys to patients who would be part of this, the, the uh, trial. And mm -hmm. um, those who responded said, what are notes? <laughs> you know, like, what is this? I don't know. And so um, then they, they, they did the study. And a few months after they opened the notes, some of the, the physicians participating emailed the, the principal investigators at Beth Israel and said, is this thing on? Like, I haven't heard anything yet. You know, yeah. are you sure they're seeing the notes? And they're like, yep, they're seeing the notes. Like, it's happening. So uh -huh. anyway, moral of the story, at the, at the end of the study, um, they're, they're, they studied two different outcomes. One, surveys of the physicians said, yeah, no workload was increased for any email I got saying, "Hey, I noticed this in my note." There was an e there was no email from someone who said, "Hey, I forgot what you said because blah 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 blah." Um, what what physicians reported is they didn't record they didn't uh, so no workloading increase. Um, they didn't have to order any more tests from their patients. Um, no patient was angry about reading their note from a patient outcome side, um, patients said that they felt like they're more engaged in their care, could better understand the care plan, were more adherent to taking their medications because they understood better why they were taking these medications in the first place, felt more comfortable talking about their health condition, not only with their provider, but also with, say, their family or care partners. And then they also found that patients were starting to share their notes with their family members to loop them in. When you, you say, hey, dad, mom, what happened at the visit? They can say, oh, let's just pull open the notes so you can see what happened. So it became a communication tool within families. So all of those doctors who participated in that year original study were allowed to opt out of sharing mm -hmm. the notes after that. Not a single one did. And wow. eventually all three of those health systems decided, let's just open up, up the notes across the board. And today they've all been sharing notes for about seven years now. And there's new research being done at those health systems. What is, what is that like over this long period of time sharing notes? Um, Do you think the opposition in other places is because people just don't don't understand, do fear it like those doctors originally? Uh, so opposition. Um, so we're now at a point. So let's see, 2018. So we're at a point where there's over 100 health systems who have decided to start sharing notes in some capacity. Usually, start primary care. After that point, they start opening up to other specialties. Uh, 
Um, and so about 22 million people have, have access um, to their notes. And the opposition are from health systems that aren't yet doing it. And they're like, oh, well, it, it works over there because it's those people over there. It could never work here. So there's just a lot of fear. This is culture change. Uh, you know, doctor's notes have been hidden from people for many years. And so depending on how old you are, you, you know, there's this patient generational thing of, oh, I don't ask question the doctor or what they say. Um, I've never seen this all along. Um, But we have a legal, you know, we patients, people, we all have a legal right to see and request a copy of our medical record. And if we find an error in the record, we are allowed to ask for that error to be fixed. And from a quality and safety perspective, that's where Open Notes is shown to be really, really beneficial. Maybe if you're trying to make an argument to uh, hospital administrators, there is a ton of research going on out of the open notes PIs, principal investigators, about what happens when patients see notes and they see errors and they say, hey, you said it was my left knee that had the injury. Actually, it was the right knee. That's a minor thing. Or you might see, oh, I had a hysterectomy. And then you might say, well, I'm a man. I actually didn't have a hysterectomy, so that shouldn't be in the note. So whether that's a typo or they hit the wrong button. Um, right. But, but there, there are times when something really crucial could show up in the note that's wrong, that gets carried from note to note to note to note to note. And the only mm-hmm. person who cares about what's in that note over that trajectory of that person's life is that one person who's most affected. So Liz saw me, the uh, living with cancer person, once even more. You want to participate in the notes process in the sense that you want to be able and you want more patients to be able to add to their own medical record, to report, uh, for lack of a better word, health events at home between visits. Well, there's two things in that question. Liz saw me. Um, so what you're describing is sounds a lot like a research project that the Open Notes team has just started. And I'll talk mm-hmm. about that in a second. That isn't something I thought of. I'm not a... Uh, a fully fleshed out researcher who started uh-huh. something like that. Liz but Salmi, you're an advocate. I am. Um, Liz saw me as a patient says, I just want access to my notes in real time after my doctor signed off on them in my electronic online patient portal that I have access mm-hmm. to. And I'm in Northern California. I now today uh, receive my care at two different academic medical centers in Northern California, one in Sacramento, one in San Francisco. Um, both of them are listed as uh, some of the top places to get care by U.S. News and World's Reports. They're both recognized as being the most digitally connected health systems in the country, and neither of them share their notes with me. So I can email my doctor. I can see a brief after visit summary, but I can't see my doctor's notes. And so it's something that I want. I don't want to have to create, go down to medical records and file a medical records request and say, can I get the note from this one visit? Because I'm a person living with brain cancer, I would like to be able to get a copy of what my doctor has said, here's my assessment and plan from this moment moving forward. So what I just want is that basic thing that can easily be done with pretty much every electronic health record system that's in existence with no cost to that health system. That's, that's the basic thing that I want. You earlier gave us a number of, of systems that are uh, are, are doing a little bit of this and, and, and marked it as progress, right? Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who are not right. There's so still work to be done. 100 something health systems are sharing notes. Uh, that's 22 million people. 
And that's six percent of the U.S. population. And I'm part of that other, you know, 94 percent that doesn't have access to notes. And I'm one of the people that knows that notes is a thing, obviously. Uh, but most people don't know that there's this whole other aspect to their medical record that's really cool. I see it as cool and really helpful and captures what was happening at that visit. And, you know, if it's like I went to the doctor, my knee hurts. Okay. You know, that might not be like the most crucial note of all time, but more and more people, I think like one out of every two people is living with some sort of chronic condition. Some of us with serious illness and chronic condition, you know, those are the kind of notes that are so helpful and valuable as you're trying to navigate a whole new world, a whole new uh, language that is healthcare. For our audience, what can they do to assist you in your cause uh, to encourage more systems to join? Yeah, well, it depends on who that person is. Uh, you know, if it's somebody who works in um, medicine, you know, or in healthcare, to to think about it. I mean, there there are. I think the knee jerk response for most clinicians is like, "Oh my gosh, this is going to increase my workload." And for them to listen to um, the research that is done with that original open note study that's been now replicated numerous times and numerous sites now at a hundred health systems. Uh, around the country where no, there, there is no increase in work workload. Yes, there are, uh, patients feel more involved in their care. They're going to better remember those care plans. They're going to be more adherent. So think about what has already been demonstrated at many other places. So to, for those folks to think about that and not be a quick knee-jerk no. And then to think about who might be that champion where they work in their health system? We find, so now working with the Open Notes research dissemination team, when we talk to different folks at health systems, you would think the champion might be a physician in oncology or the chief medical information officer or the chief innovation officer or the chief information officer or the chief medical officer. Like who, who is the champion? And there is no common denominator. We find that the champions come from different places. So who has that, the capital or the will to want to take this on as their cause in their health system? Um, we started, Open Notes started bringing this out to mainly chief medical information officers, CMIOs, because they're kind of like the gatekeepers of the electronic health record and what happens with that on, on uh, the, the, their side. Um, and what we've learned is, wow, it's actually really easy to switch, flip a switch and make, patients, make it possible for patients to see this in their patient portals. Now we realize it's not always the CMIO who is the right person, who's the gatekeeper um, to making open notes happen. It could just be some really influential, charismatic um, uh, physician who, or, or nurse who takes this on. Mm -hmm. But if it's a patient or a care partner who's like, okay, I want to get in on this. What do I do? Um, it's harder for them to break in and, and make some change. But, you know, this is from my perspective, maybe not like all of my colleagues at open notes, but it's almost kind of like a social movement to it. Like, Hey, let's, let's be able to see our full record. There's, it's not quite civil rights, but kind of, kind of in there. I mean, HIPAA is part of the office for civil rights, actually, which is kind of interesting. Um, uh -huh. But, but if it's a patient or a care partner or family member, it's you know joining the patient family advisory council, which has a voice within specific hospitals to say, "This is a thing. I think this should make be our cause. Let's talk to the folks who make decisions around here and make this happen." That's one way. I mean, even just starting with emailing your own doctor is is a way to ask to see your notes is one small way to get involved. 
Talk to me about really briefly about the study that we just briefly touched on yes. about adding yeah. the patient to the notes. So the next phase that's really exciting from the open notes team is a future study called our notes. And it's the concept of inviting the patient to read their note and remind them maybe through an email tickler before they go to the next visit. So your electronic health record system knows this, this person is coming back in. They get an email saying, hey, before you come in for your visit, read the last note and then let us know how things have been going since then. So inviting patients to actually type into some sort of form somewhere. Um, oh, okay, I saw you three months ago. I've been doing the exercises, but I forgot to do this. And I haven't been doing this, even though you know you, to you told me. And I'm my, my goals for this visit are to do talk about you know A, B, and C. So then when the person comes in for the visit, they've had a chance to think more proactively about the visit. And then the physician, before they come in to see the patient, um, gets a chance to read what that patient said. And so they're like, okay, I have an understanding of what Liz is here to see me about today. And then they're prepared and to focused. Prepare. Mm -hmm. And they can focus on is of importance and interest to that patient as well as everything else. Then when they're done with that visit, um, the physician will say, hey, so when I'm done here, I'm writing my note and I click sign, remember it's going to go to you and to look for an email. So then patient receives an email and they get a chance to review and then the patient also signs off on the note. So there's this concept of having a shared uh, responsibility in the collaboration around that note. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, then the cycle repeats, you know, when, when it comes time for your next visit, you get that reminder email, you review the note, you, you add mm -hmm. to it, you prepare for the visit and so on. So Eventually on. it becomes this sharing, this information sharing relationship the the very thing NCQA advocates for is is that closer relationship between uh, clinician and and patient uh, real quick we'll get to the fun quality talks questions first of all uh, what do you know for sure about healthcare 25 years from now man 25 years from now gosh I just think about what has changed just in the last 12 years with the the unveiling of the computer in the pocket and access to internet everywhere. So if I'm going to base that answer 25 years from now, based off of what I know of just in the last 12 years, um, is that more information than ever before is going to be available to people uh, in easier ways. So I don't, I don't know how we're going to access it. Maybe the internet is in our mind in some creepy way, um, but that, you know, the, the, uh, the, gatekeepers to information, which right now are sometimes say those medical journals that are, you know, information, new information is behind paywalls. I think some of that will be opened up a little bit more and easier to access by real people who are living with those conditions. Maybe if you get an official diagnosis of, uh, of a brain tumor, you now are a gatekeeper to be able to read the latest research about said brain tumor. Um, so I'd say uh, what I think I know for sure is going to happen in 25 years is that more people have access to information about their health conditions without it being something you have to pay for. We're all for more transparency. What's your, Liz Salmi's, most dangerous idea? Okay, so my dangerous idea uh, is that medical education, that the instructors in medical education will include more patient voices. So not just people living with those conditions, but also their care partners who are, well, are a part of that as well. And, you know, we're 
uh, I'm learning more and more through patient experience, personal experience, and also, you know, other people living with various health conditions that um, we, we tend to think all all doctors know, must all know know all of the things. Um, But you know, they're often specialized, you know, my primary care doctor, who's awesome, doesn't know as much about brain tumors as I do. And of course, that's taken mm-hmm. me almost 10 years to, to learn that. Um, but there, there's an opportunity when I see her for me to provide her a little bit more education about um, what it's like living with a brain tumor and epilepsy. And it just like she gives me information as well. So there, there's some something there. I'm not sure how we would formalize and help patients and care partners become more lecturers at, and, and teachers in that space and what their curriculum would look like. But I think we have time to figure that out. Hmm. Well, I thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. We're all looking forward uh, to your talk uh, at Quality Talks 2018. Uh, giving You have a unique perspective because you do what you do and because you uh, have cancer and are living with it. Um, so we're looking forward to hearing uh, your perspective at Quality Talks. It'll be a good time. Thank you. Thanks. That was Liz Salmi, one of the 2018 Quality Talk speakers. If you're interested in Quality Talks, make sure to check out the website, qualitytalks.org. You can see uh, biographies and more recordings of speakers from the past and get an idea of who's going to appear on the stage in the future. Again, that's qualitytalks.org. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again, no doubt.